From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get more perspective now on the UPS negotiations uh, from the union's perspective. Joining us here at the table, Sean O'Brien, General President of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Sean, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us at what appears to be a critical moment. You tweeted, or the Teamsters uh, tweeted at least, at about 4.30 in the morning on Wednesday. After marathon sessions... UPS negotiations collapsed. You're right around 4 a.m. UPS walked away from the bargaining table after presenting an unacceptable offer to the Teamsters that did not address members' needs. UPS spoke with Bloomberg about this and says we have not walked away and the union has a responsibility to remain at the table. When will you talk next? Whenever they pick up the phone and call us. I mean, their, their uh, story is compelling but highly inaccurate. Um, we were talking about economics, and we did make a lot of progress on a lot of those issues that were talked about earlier. Um, but when it came down to part-timers, I'll tell you what. If they're saying that part-timers make $5 less than $39 an hour, I'll sign that deal right now. That's not true. Our average part-timer is making starting wage rates about sixteen fifty per hour. Um, you've got people living in poverty. Those are poverty wages. A lot of members in the big cities that work two or three jobs, especially the part-timers, um, uh, uh, are on subsidized housing, food stamps. So it's up to UPS to make this right, and they should tell the real story. Okay, so you said you would sign a deal at $5 less per hour. Is that your bare minimum? What's the line here? For well, the if they were going to pay $35 an hour for a part-timer, I definitely would do that. That's what they're saying. That's not the truth. I mean, they do provide great benefits, but they provide them only because we mandate them. We've fought decades upon decades to negotiate superior conditions in these industries, and now it's time. I mean, look, think about the pandemic. You know, you see a UPS driver, the men and women that deliver in your neighborhoods, everybody yeah. loves them. Um, but the unsung heroes are the ones that load those trucks that went to work. Um, and UPS had record profits, $100 billion. Is that number that you're, that you're talking about what they're proposing? Because when UPS spoke with Bloomberg, uh, they said they've been very generous to part-time workers, paying them $20 an hour plus benefits. Uh, d- is, is that a poverty wage? Is that not the number that... No, they're paying, out? they're paying what they call a market rate adjustment in certain areas where they're paying people off the street that have never worked there just to attract them into employment and not rewarding the people that have been there a long time. There's still people stuck at 16, 17. While they're hiring new people at 20. Right, exactly. Is this the primary sticking point then, the wages for part-time workers? Are there other issues of contention you've struggled to there's, come there's, to the middle? There's other issues that need to be addressed. I mean, the full-timers, uh, they make a great wage. UPS is out there telling people, well, they make $93,000 a year. But they're not telling you they have to work 60 or 65 hours uh, a week to make that wage. So there's a lot of issues. But at the end of the day, we've got the majority of the, a majority of the um, 
negotiations have been completed strictly down economics. They know what we want. They know what we need. They know what our members deserve. And everybody keeps asking us, are you going to strike UPS? We're not going to strike UPS. UPS is going to strike themselves. They're going to self-inflict this wound if they don't reward the people that have made them a tremendous success. We understand the Biden administration has been in touch uh, with both sides, at least to some extent. When I spoke earlier with the acting Labor Secretary today, I asked her if, if she was going to be mediating the talks. She said no. Will you make that request if it comes down to it? I certainly will not make that request. I believe that, you know, the company is aware of what we need. Um, look, our neighborhoods that we grew up in in Boston, if two people had an altercation, you had nothing to do with it, you keep on walking by, and that's the approach we're taking right now. Well, I guess it becomes a question of how close to the line ultimately this gets. Obviously, there is a deadline looming. If come August 1st, there is a strike, is Seamsters not fearful of the potential economic repercussions of that? Couldn't that come back to hurt the very same workers that you were trying to get a better deal for? Look, in 1997, UPS took the same position with the part-timers, and the teams just struck them nationwide. For 15 look, days? 15 days. And look, like anything else, every time there's a situation like a strike, there's you know short-term pain for a long-term game. UPS is the best in the business. The customers pay for a service. Our teams to members provide the best service. We know there's going to be a little bit of uh, pain in the beginning, but UPS is good at recovering and reco- recouping that volume. And we're confident we have to take a stand now. We have to. Do you have this mapped out in your head, uh, the, the path to a deal here? And I ask you that remembering the railroad strike that Creedy referenced, uh, your former uh, mayor in Boston, my former mayor, Marty Walsh, uh, loomed large in those discussions. And there have been questions about whether, as I mentioned, this uh, acting secretary should get involved. But when you talk to Marty Walsh and others who've had experience as labor leaders, what do they tell you? will unlock a deal. Well, we know what's going to unlock the deal. I mean, we're not, we're not banking on the government's opinion or anything else. We know, and the company knows, what needs to happen. They need to raise the starting rate of pay for part-timers. They need to reward the long-term part-timers. They need to reward all their employees. Think about this. When this country came to a halt through the pandemic, there was one workforce that was providing goods and services and not reaping the benefits. I mean, UPS made record profits, $100 billion. They have to reward the people that made them a success. And we can't focus on projections or lack of volume. Let's focus on what this what this workforce has delivered for UPS. And look, the, UPS has been given out record dividends, stock buybacks. Give that to the people that truly deserve it. Give it to Main Street, not Wall Street. So on the subject of UPS <coughs> management, who do you have a direct line to? Have you spoken directly with Mrs. Tumay about this? Early on, um, in the, on our, when we started uh, talking, uh, probably about a year ago, uh, I had a one-on-one meeting with a uh, with her just to discuss nothing in general, just an introduction. I deal with the high labor managers there who are direct reports to uh, Mrs. Tomei. Are they credible actors? Um, I thought they were. You don't today? Well, you know, what they say and what they do are two different things, and I guess that's part of negotiation. But one thing the Teamsters have been, we've been transparent, we've stated our intentions all along, and we've stayed the course. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. That is Sean O'Brien, the general president of Teamsters. And we should note we have invited UPS to come on this program. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, 
top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.